Men are built for the demands of life. The breadth of our shoulders bears the weight of responsibility in our homes. The depth of our voices projects strength to the world. And the length of our stride, our ambition, propels us toward career success. Man Up For Life is the coaching and speaking brand you need to reach the heights of your individual and organizational greatness. Responsibility, power, and ambition will cease to overwhelm you and begin to inspire you. To get started today, contact Demetrius Love at manupforlife at yahoo.com or at manupforlife across all social media platforms. Responsibility, power, ambition. Don't be overwhelmed. Be inspired. Start today. Thank me tomorrow. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into the Motown Philly podcast. This is Jason Hall. It's your boy and my co-host, Tim Golden. <laughs> and guess what, guys? We have a special treat for you guys today. But we're so we're super excited, super excited. You guys might be wondering, hey, why is Jason doing the intro? Where's Tim at? Well, Tim is here. Y'all just heard his voice. And you're going to hear his voice and another voice coming up soon. But Tim, let us know about this gratitude and how we want to inject it into this podcast as we do as always. Well, thank you so much, Jason. And thanks to all our listeners out there. We just want you all to know that we are very thankful because this is episode 40 of the Motown Philly podcast. That's right. 40. That's crazy. We are turning 40 today and we are well (laughs) on our way to 50 to 100 and beyond. And we know that's because of the wonderful listening audience that we have. We just want to thank all of you for the having the the privilege of you making us a part of your day, whether you're running errands, doing laundry, cooking your dinner, whatever it is, we are just so grateful and so thankful that you have chosen to allow us into your lives. And it's our hope, our sincere hope, that the content that we put out here will make your life a little better. Jason and I like to say we don't have all the answers, Mm -mm. but we do hope that we ask the right questions. So keep listening, keep downloading. And for all of the all of the great things that you do for us to help us grow, Jason and I just want to say thank you, thank you, and a thousand times. Thank you, Motown Philly family. We love you and we appreciate you more than words can say. Definitely, definitely, definitely. As I say in Espanol, muchas gracias a todos. Listen, I know everybody. I, there's people, Tim, that's that's going to hear that because we. I know we have a we have a, a couple of listeners from Mexico. So hey, gracias, bienvenidos a todos. Anyway, yo, let's get into this episode. I am super excited. There is energy in the building, and you guys are about to find out why. I have the special privilege to to welcome this particular person to the podcast, and I'm super excited. I want to give you a preamble as to who she is. Sarah Carter is a parent coach for those first six foundational years of life. She specializes in early learning and helps parents to set a healthy foundation of communication, 
boundaries and removal of parental guilt and anxiety sarah serves through helping families include intentional conversations purposeful play and connecting through games music and more she believes there is a need to connect deeper and support families and she also knows that this need fuels her to continue to strive toward building a community of parents to create whole brain leaders that know who they are and can fulfill their God-given purpose for the future. Family is all about solid foundations so let's build a foundation that is successful sarah carter welcome to the motown philly podcast episode 40. tim and i are so happy to have you here what's up how you doing girl i am wonderful thank y'all for having me i definitely appreciate it and it's very humbling it's exciting to share my passion with y'all I'm great. True, true, true. Well, listen, without further delay, I'm just going to hop right in. Tim and I are just going to we're just going to just pick your brain if you if you would allow us to in a, in a lot of ways so that not only we can learn more about who you are and what you do, but of course, those who are listening uh, can also learn about who you are and how you can might how you can and may impact their lives even today. So here's my first first question for you today in the most simplest form let the listeners and tim and i because i read your thing but let us know what you do and how it might benefit others as the service that you provide okay so i'm a parent coach first and foremost um, i'm also a mother Mm -hmm. and a teacher <laughs> you know early education is my passion the babies are my favorite any baby six years old and under i know they are always down to play they love music um spontaneous singing that's pretty much where i live so <laughs> why not make it a service and then help parents connect deeper with them because what parents don't realize is the earlier you set the foundation the more successful they will be later so my service is basically to just build on those family relationships earlier and help children to have basic skills in life, you know, mentally, uh, socially, cognitively problem solving and just make it more of a family event involvement, like everybody coming together just to make the family unit work. So that's what I do I love in it. a nutshell. <laughs> I love it. Wow, Sarah, that is that is great work. That is difficult work, mm. but it sounds like you are passionate about it. So, Sarah, as we approach this Mother's Day and this this Mother's Day weekend, and so many people will be celebrating moms uh, all all around the country will be celebrating mothers. I, I want to ask a very basic question to you, and it's something that I think a lot of us sort of overlook when it comes to communicating with children, because Jason and I have a mission here at Motown Philly, which is mm -hmm. communication, connection, and community. And mm -hmm. it sounds like those, it, those early years are 
a lot of experts tell us are so critical in shaping a child's temperament and personality that we sometimes forget that children, particularly those in that age range, are human beings. Yeah. And and that they are human beings who don't know the mm -hmm. things that we know. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of the way that we are disposed toward children, the way that we speak to children, mm -hmm. etc., is based on this idea that they're supposed to know what we know mm. as adults. Mm -hmm. It's just a very basic <laughs> principle that they don't. And sometimes I think we have sort of used this category of children to sort of dehumanize them. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Especially mm -hmm. when you start to think about the way that so many dimensions of our culture sort of heap on like religion. Oh, train up a child in the way that he should go. And we have all these theologies of childhood. And these things can be very dangerous because they can contribute to the neglect of a child's humanity. So could you talk to us about your work and specifically how you try to cut against these very dangerous currents that are yeah. fundamentally dehumanizing to children. That's a good one. Great question. Yeah. That is a very good question. Okay, let's see, where do we start? <laughs> we start with the basic problem that all parents have is unrealistic expectations, okay? And that comes with the dehumanization based off of um, how they grew up. So my service, we go back into, we have a personality test. Let me say that all parents have one. It teaches me how to work with them better, but then we also dive into what your triggers are as an individual and where they came from. Now that your past reveals who you are now, right? The things that you did receive the things that you did not receive. And what parents don't realize is that you are literally forming the way that a child thinks, the way that they process things, the way they ought to respond just by your daily interactions with them. So my service is to teach parents to really make the most, whether it's through body language, whether it's through what you're saying to them, how you're saying it to them and really making sure that you are the one that is more inviting them and you're more curious about how they think and what they think. Now, the other end of my service is the education of milestone development, social skills, cognitive, like infants, newborns, toddlers, and preschool phase. They all have different milestone development and when parents are educated and they have a strategy as to how they can talk to their child then it helps them to be more at ease which is why i'm basically i'm really hands on removing the anxiety and the guilt 
you know, because there are different expectations for different levels. For example, toddlers are more expressive. They're loud. They have more breakdowns because everything is so huge and it means so much. And they're just trying to figure out what is going on and how they fit in. Where there is a preschool phase, you can dive a little bit deeper with them and get into like examples. So let's start with for example, emotions, right? So in my program, I give all parents this set of emotions and they're huge smiley faces, whether it's sad, angry, jealous, um, happy, feeling loved, feeling excited. And what parents can do at home is practice that with them. And I also have color coordinated hands to match each face. Now for the toddler phase, which is all about identification, right that's the names of things that's opposites that is naming the emotions that we feel and having calm down strategies and then if you have a preschooler you can still use that same package because you get to talk with them about why we feel that way what made us feel that way so preschool is a little more in depth than the toddler phase so educating parents on each level and then giving them games that coincide with every milestone really helps them to, oh, I'm expecting way too much for my kid. Let me just dial it back so I can see them for who they are and not for what I want them to be. Mm -hmm. yep. I love that. I love that. Uh, I think it's it's more or less, um, you know, to Tim's point, like there could be cultural norms that are put are placed on kids and cultural norms of course come with a level some level of expectation and then when a child is not performing or expressing themselves on whatever level whether it's verbally whether it's through their emotions whether it's the body language on the level of the expectation there can be lashing out or there could be extreme frustration right tim like to the parent to the parent where because they are not getting what they desire but it's i'm hearing from you sarah it's like i need to the ch the children and the parent need to be educated about these certain milestones and maybe reset the the level of expectation to be like to to inform the 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 mother or the parent like hey this is where they should be. And these are the things that kids this age does and do doesn't do. So it kind of recalibrate breaks, resets the expectation level. And then you can start educating um, the, the parent and the child to start performing in those milestones levels. Is that pretty much kind of sum it up a little bit? No, that's that's spot on. Because everybody does not as everybody is not as anxious or as my kid has to be perfect or they have to be a certain kind of way. Um, a lot, of, and I'll speak for myself too. Like I was the helicopter mom. I was like, my daughter's gonna do this way, this way. This is gonna do this, this, that, and the third. And I had to learn over time. Like she learns things according to her milestone, according to the way of thinking, not mine, mm -hmm. which is different. Because she's more now that she's getting older, she's almost six. She's more of analytical. She needs like I need to know the facts mommy, before I do anything. She's more reserved and cautious as me. I'm outgoing. I'm ready to go. What are we doing? Where are we doing? You know, who's going with And She's like, well, mommy, who's going to be there? You know, what are we going to do? So every parent has to understand that. Like, just just have that education. My child is not me. 
And to take it a step deeper, a lot of that is from childhood traumas and wounds that were never addressed. Mm. And that's the hard mm. part. That's the, that's the that's the kicker right there. Yeah. And again, I'll use myself as an example. I didn't have a lot of validation and I came from sort of a neglectful, abusive setting. So a lot of the things I was supposed to be affirmed in, I didn't have it. So the social skill, I was kind of fearful or hesitant because, you know, trauma makes people react a certain way in everything, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or you hide behind a mask. And parents have to realize that the unchecked wounds, unhealed, you know, inner child things, when they lash out, it's a projection to themselves. Like, you can't get this right. So I'm going to make them feel the same way because mm -hmm. I'm talking to me when I was three or when I was four. So it's deep. It's deep. Wow. Yeah. That is deep, Sarah. You know, I, I saw something the other day on social media. I think it was on YouTube. And it was someone who was talking about narcissism. And in this particular video, the person made the following statement, which I thought was so profound. Mm -hmm. She said, narcissists are not born. They are made. Mm -hmm. And when I thought about that, I'm I'm thinking about all of the various things that you said in terms of background and untreated traumas and mm -hmm. and, and on top of that, what I what I imagine is that the category of child, the 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 use of that word child or children, and again, I don't, I'm not picking on you church but especially in religious communities mm -hmm. is so heavily theorized and we have so many ideas about children that have just been piled on from one generation after another that we end up doing the very thing we shouldn't do which is we don't see their humanity mm -hmm. we, we interact with them based on these highly charged theories Mm -hmm. that have nothing to do with who <laughs> they actually are as people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we begin to communicate yeah. with them on the basis of a myriad assumptions that are completely unjustified by anything except the dysfunction of the culture that gives them to us. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, when I think about it, sometimes I think, that what we have to do, I don't want to get, I don't want to get philosophical, y'all, but I, I should say this. There, there's a branch of philosophy mm -hmm. and it's called phenomenology. Mm -hmm. And what phenomenology requires us to do is it requires us to suspend the various ways that we see the world in order to access a deeper level of truth that mm. is obscured right mm. Mm. That's, so that's, i'm mm -hmm. thinking about there's a for the, the the christian listeners who are out there right there's a story in the gospel of john of a mm -hmm. man who was born blind mm -hmm. and in new testament days if you were born with a physical disability it was pretty much understood that you had some moral failing that mm. caused disability right mm -hmm. and this leads to a an encounter that jesus and his disciples have with a man 
where when the disciples see him, the first thing they say is, who sinned? Mm -hmm. This man or his parents that he was born blind, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so here you have a human being, right, Sarah? You have this man who his hopes, his dreams, his aspirations, his identity, all of it is crushed beneath the weight of one layer after another Mm -hmm. that is piled upon him by a culture that knows nothing about who he really is. Mm-hmm. And when you compare the way his disciples encountered this man with the way that Jesus encountered him, because it says that when Jesus saw him, he just saw a man. Right. In other words, it's it's possible to take all of our cultural understandings and theories and just lay those to the side right Mm -hmm. to bracket those things and say there is a person Mm -hmm. (laughs) there is Mm -hmm. a person in front of me Mm -hmm. yes i know she's only three Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she is a person Mm -hmm. yes she's a little girl and the way that i communicate with her the way that i connect if i connect with her in an authoritarian way she may Mm -hmm. grow up with a fear of authority come on if i connect with her so Mm -hmm. i I think that your work is so phenomenal Mm -hmm. because what you're doing is you are arguably preventing the next generation of narcissists (laughs) yes or the next generation of people with anxiety disorders yes or, or mm-hmm. codependence right yeah. people mm-hmm. can't set boundaries because they learn in childhood that if they're pleasing to their parents they won't get in trouble mm-hmm. so they just bend over backwards and mm-hmm. and why are they worried about getting in trouble they're worried about getting in trouble why because Mom and daddy said, I'm a child. And it don't matter what the child thinks. It don't matter what the child wants to do. I got to do what mom and daddy want to do. So they learn to do what? To put themselves and their own needs, Mm -hmm. right? To not Mm -hmm. set boundaries. And Mm -hmm. because they want to please mom and dad. Could you talk to us a little bit about all that, Sarah? Go in, Sarah. Go in. (laughs) Go in, Sarah. I'm just fascinated by your work, man. Listen, what's (laughs) that? So what's the question? Look, I was I was all wrapped in. <laughs> so, so what I'm asking is, how does your how does your work? I mean, you've already sort of told us in one way how, mm-hmm. how it does it, right? Uh, with you know adjusting expectations, but maybe maybe I'll be more specific. And what I'll ask is, do you have any examples uh, of times when a parent had a light bulb moment? Mm. And you could see, oh wow! I think they really get it now. Uh, okay. Yeah. If, okay. If, if you know, if if you can, if you could share one of those moments that mm-hmm. you had with uh with uh with one of your clients, right? As, as right. Their yeah. Okay. So I had um a mom who had a preschooler, and he was her first baby. She has another one now who at the time was a couple months old and she was stuck in keeping him in the baby face. Like she wanted to accommodate and do every single thing. Now she was more on the permissive side. It was like, 
whatever he really wanted and things like that. And I said, you can do that, but within the means of like, his milestone is so much more. So I had to really sit with her and be like, hey, instead of him just breaking down and crying as toddlers would, right? He's five, almost six. I said, you can talk to him and narrate him through what he's feeling. And she, it took her a while because at first she was like, well, I just want to hold him and coddle him. And I said, do that. I said, because boys definitely need that. All children need that. I said, but you want to give him a small tool to take with him so that the next time he faces this issue, he knows like, I don't have to stay here. I'm upset about something. I'm frustrated. I don't have to leave frustrated. Okay. So I started to talk with her and say, ask him questions. Why are we frustrated? What happens when we get frustrated, you know, and giving her some in-home alternatives if he's upset or if he's, you know, more about throwing things. I was like, give him a pillow or give him a punching bag because they have to release that energy somewhere. The child was very strong willed. He was very demanding, you know, and I said, also, after you guys go through that, you know, 30 seconds to a minute of him punching the bag or hitting the pillow take deep breaths and then sit next to him because some parents naturally they oh when you're done crying i'll be over here and i'm like don't do that <laughs> because they don't know how to work through what's going on and that's where you come in so she was able to have that aha moment like oh i can actually start teaching him how to work through the chaotic to the calm and she was like i didn't know that I could do that. I said, oh, you most definitely can because if he's almost six, this is his milestone. This is the way that he's supposed to be thinking. And I said, I know you love him. I said, I know that's your baby and he always will be. I said, but you got to give your baby a chance to be proud of himself, right? Because another thing in my program is helping parents to give their child a valued voice in what is going on. Because what they're learning is who I am what I'm doing and then how it's affecting the world around me, how it's affecting my family, you know, and we want to make sure that every child has the opportunity to grow at his or her pace. So her aha moment was helping him to talk through versus just physically hitting or screaming or things like that. Her aha moment was, oh, I can take him step by step through problem solving. And then the next time he had an issue, instead of breaking down, it became less and less because, you know, it takes time. It's a process and you got to get kids used to something new. So each time the throwing or the fighting was less and less and he was able to sit down and be like, mommy, I'm upset because. So now it becomes automatic. Right. And that's how he develops his voice. This is what happened. This is why I'm upset. And then at the end of it, you praise him for working through that and then say, I will always be here to support you. I will always be here to encourage you. And no matter how hard it is, we will work through it together. So now he has mommy support. That's amazing. Now he's confident in his own abilities to work through frustration. And he remembers the next time, oh, I don't have to throw things this time. I can just talk about it. Wow. And mommy and I get closer because of it. Mommy, daddy and I. So that was the aha moment that she had. And I was like, yes, 
Yes. Wow. It's the it's yeah. the val it's the word or phraseology, the value voice for me. Like mm-hmm. the value voice, like a huge voice. Yes. Yeah. Cause a lot of times it's uh, the, the breakdowns and the tantrums are things they don't agree with, you know, and that's something that I did at home too. My daughter she tells me now, oh mommy, I don't really agree with that. Like she we worked through that a lot. And it's fine. I said, okay, let's talk about why. So it's just kind of changing the narrative and helping them to really speak up for themselves instead of mommy coddling me and me never really being able to process through this wall of frustration, of disappointment, because that should be a that's a normal thing for kids Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to work through it. So who else is supposed to teach them? (laughs) But, you know, but us, I think I think it's amazing because like you, I think you might have alluded to it. There's the coddling parent, and then you have the parent that just shuts you down. And so the parent who coddles never gives a child the opportunity to express. But the parent who just says, fall into line, right? Like Mm -hmm. the parent who says, cut all that noise out. Or just call that noise out, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, boys don't cry, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it sh- it shuts it down. It shuts down a child on a whole nother level, mm-hmm. um, which I would say produces that fear and that anxiety about communicating what one is going through in their head and their heart and their with their emotions, and doesn't allow the the child like a runway, if you will, for lack of a better word, to practice communicating well. Mm-hmm. And parents don't know that children are able of that level of emotional intelligence they just don't know they just think oh he's just working through something he'll be fine he'll get over it and i'm like you're missing this window every every and i tell parents everything that looks like it's a problem to you is an opportunity for you to teach your child a skill they have not mastered and they are unaware of right that's saucy let that sink in oh that's saucy so I'm mad at I'm mad at my daughter for being frustrated about this. So I'm gonna come over here. No, no, no. I'm gonna go and talk to her because she needs me in this moment. And it's not about me. It's really about them. Like love is a service. <laughs> oh, somebody, somebody needs to tweet that right now. Love is a oh man. Yo, hashtag that Motown Philly too. <laughs> I love that. Yo, unpack that. Love is a service. Go there. Exactly. Yes. Stay there. Yes. <laughs> okay. Stay right there. Love is a service. It's where do I start? I'm so excited. Okay. So good, good. I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> it's unconditional. You are not, you are not as excited as our listeners are. Here it really? Yes. <laughs> really? Somebody, love... somebody just had to pull their car over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. My love is a service. It's unconditional. It is unwavering. It is available. Right? So if I am not, and this is a lesson that I had to learn too, if I am not available for my daughter when she's having a difficult moment, like you were saying, Jason, I'm shutting her down Mm -hmm. and then I'm disconnecting from the family relationship that we're supposed to have. And I think that's what previous generations have missed be- mm. because of whatever was going on. And at that time, whether it was with baby boomers and all that stuff, they, they had a lot going on too, but mm. in this new wave, like we're really unpacking the fact that 
is consistent. Love is consistent. It is disciplined or teaching your child how to be disciplined because of the example that you have. And it's a commitment. I am committed to showing up and being available for my child when they need me the most. Wow. Wow. Listen. But I listen. can't do that if I'm not, right? Wow. Sarah, yes, you are. You are right on point. Listen, folks, we're going to have to take a brief break. We will be back on the other side with more of this Mother's Day Motown Philly edition with the amazing, stupendous, fantastic, all of the above, Sarah Carter, parent and coach. So we will see y'all on the other side. Sarah, I have a a comment and a question for you on the other side. We will be right back. Hello, Motown Philly family. You all need to know that this podcast is sponsored by The Speaker's Mechanic. The Speaker's Mechanic is a business enterprise of my co-host Jason Hall, who is a communication skills coach, and he's also published author of a book called A Vocal Owner's Manual. He works with professionals who are looking to improve their communication skills, and I guarantee you that if you work with him, he will improve yours. Check out his book on Amazon. Again, it's called A Vocal Owner's Manual, and you will be certain once you check him out to improve and get better because here at Motown Philly, that's what we're all about. And that's what his brand, The Speaker's Mechanic, is all about. Thanks so much for tuning in and thanks to The Speaker's Mechanic for this sponsorship. All right, folks, welcome back to episode 40 of the Motown Philly podcast. We are in the midst of what we might call in the Christian tradition a hallelujah conversation (laughs) with none other than Sarah Carter, parent coach extraordinaire. And boy, Sarah, you have really, really brought so much value to our podcast family. So thank you again for joining us. And I just want to continue the conversation because Jason, I want to make an observation and then I want to have, then I have a question for you. So my observation is Jason, you said something before the break that I thought was very powerful. And, and I think you picked up on a point that Sarah had made when you talked about coddling a child or shutting a child down. Mm-hmm. And those positions to me appear to be two extremes. Mm -hmm. And what you are articulating to us, Sarah, is that Mm -hmm. there is a middle way, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is plainly better than both of them. Mm -hmm. And I just, I start to think sometimes about and I'm sorry y'all I'm a philosophy professor I can't help go for myself. it that's why you on here before the break <laughs> I talked about phenomenology now I'm about to talk about Aristotle right? go for it Aristotle tells us Sarah that we find virtue at a midpoint between deficiency and excess mm-hmm. so if you want to be a generous person you're going to find the virtue of generosity at a midpoint between being miserly or stingy on one hand and being a financially irresponsible spendthrift on the other. If you're looking for the virtue of courage, 
you're going to mm-hmm. find that between being a coward on one hand and being reckless or downright crazy mm-hmm. on the other. And for those who are listening, again, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I, I think in these Christian terms, it's important to remember that in the scriptures, there's a story of Jesus when he is on his way to heal a young girl the age of 12 who is sick. And on his way there, another woman who's much older, who has had an issue of blood for as long as the other young girl has been alive, Mm -hmm. reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus says to his disciples, virtue just left me. Mm -hmm. I felt virtue leave me. Now, Mm -hmm. if we understand these two folks who get healed in the story, as opposite ends of the spectrum one girl never having been old enough to have an issue of blood the other one who had one as long as the little girl had been alive we see these as extreme positions Hmm. and virtue is at the midpoint listen so and so jesus says his disciples i you know who touched me they're like you must be crazy all these people out here, you talking about who touched you? He said, no, no, no. This touch was different because I felt virtue leave me. And I can't help but think to those who are listening, wow. particularly those parents who know, you know you raise your children, not like human beings, but as though they're some objects of your corrupt theology <laughs> and dysfunctional views of human beings. Mm-hmm. You can't coddle. And you can't shut down. You got to hit the midpoint. And mm-hmm. I think, Sarah, your work is it, sort of conducive to a kind of virtuous parenting. Vir- mm, yeah. mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and I think that's a really powerful thing to consider. So the other question that Sarah, I Sarah, you see why I keep Tim around. This, I mean, he, yes. I mean, I mean <laughs> come on now. Like- like, yo, you see, you see why you see why I have to be in relationship with this guy. Like, this yeah. is what he does. This this is what he does. Like before the podcast, mm-hmm. this is what we talked about. Just life. Yo, Tim, go for it, bro. I appreciate that, Jay. I appreciate that. Y'all gonna y'all gonna make me blush, but I, I'm <laughs> glad they can't nobody see it. Uh, but listen, listen. So Sarah, we live in a day and age where so much is made of concepts like gender fluidity and gender equality and mm-hmm. we all know almost intuitively that boys and girls are not the same mm-hmm. and so how does your coaching program for parents take into account the fundamental differences between boys and girls the way they communicate the way they the way they express themselves do you have something in your program that uh, a sort of principle built in to deal with little girls differently from little boys? I'm just curious as to how your parenting approach uh, accounts for some of those differences. Mm, okay, so well, not really, because honestly, kids are sensory based. Mm. Um, talk a about lot that of- when talk about because people not, might not understand exactly sensory based. Okay, so when we think of our five senses, you think about your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, you think about your hands 
And um, for my nerds out there, children predominantly come out of the right side of your brain that is more expressive. And as parents, we have to help connect the right brain, which is expressive and creative with the left side, which is logic. And my program is a lot of it is based off of doing and playing games and having in home like, like arts and crafts and music that gears towards the child's interest because we want the parents to make the first step in being inviting into their child's world because they think differently than we do. They're just trying to figure everything out. So helping them put it together piece by piece is important. Um, I wouldn't say it's more of a gender related because all kids love mess. <laughs> okay. Uh, kids love music. Uh, a lot of my program is I give parents playlists geared toward whatever the skill that they're learning because that's the way their memory works. Other times we have arts and crafts if parents want to work on hand-eye coordination. And then for those parents who, uh, you, I used to be OCD, I don't, it doesn't matter to me anymore, but I call it facilitate the mess. They're gonna be messy no matter what. It's going to happen. You know, you don't want, you don't want to put fear to your child. To, oh, you're gonna get dirty, you're gonna do, kids are supposed to be dirty. It's supposed to be a mess, but you might as well prepare for it. You know, um, sensory bins are a huge thing that I do encourage parents to do, whether it's with sand or water tables or different textures. There's slime and there's Play-Doh, you know, there's drawing. A lot of it is therapy based. It's artistic because naturally kids are, you know, another thing I encourage parents to do is take your child outside come away from the screens, come away from the screens, <laughs> come away, come away from the Back screens. Away go away from the screen. Yes, please give them an opportunity. Kids are, they love outside. They find all kinds of things. And no matter what I've done, y'all, honestly, every child collects rocks. It's like a hunting and gathering thing. So, you know, they belong outside and, you know, just really encouraging parents. Like the more that you make a mess with them, the more they connect a little bit deeper. So it's not even really gender-based because if I'm doing a science experiment, whether it's inside or outside, like baking, that's a life skill. You know, my daughter can mix or crack an egg here. Sure, the batter will be everywhere, but we'll clean up afterwards. But she's learning life skills. Boys can do the same thing. So I hope in a nutshell that answers the it question. Does. No, no, no. It does, Sarah. Yes, thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. As you mentioned in the, in this ex, this particular explanation, and I was I was reading through your bio, you are striving to help parents form a community or build a community uh, that creates whole brain leaders. And you alluded to left brain and right brain and its development their different perspectives of how they how they operate can you speak to the whole brain leader um that you strive are you striving to make whole brain leaders with the the parents and the and the, and the uh, child or how does like what does that look like what is a whole brain leader um it's more so for the child you know because they're the next generation 
they're coming up and um we want to teach them people may not like this statement how to think but not what to think right mm-hmm. because for so long people have taught their children what to think shutting them down you know exactly know, whatever have you but teaching a child how to think like asking open-ended questions especially in that preschool phase is really important um, because now i get to process for example problem solving to us is very minute it's no big deal but to a child who is trying to get a toy behind something <laughs> naturally they're going to ransack the whole shelf to get to it you know, and I <laughs> I had to do this exercise with my niece because I homeschooled my daughter and my niece for the first four years. Um, and she would get so frustrated that she would just break down. And I say, Skylar, what's wrong? And she said, I can't get to my toy. I said, well, you can now because you knocked everything over, but let's try something different. So I started asking questions. I said, okay, why can't we get to the toy? because it's in the back i said okay it's in the back good job so how do we get to it is there something keeping you from getting to it and she would say there's a book or there's something in front and i say okay what do we need to do to that book or item she said we need to pick up we need to move it and we started doing things like that with those open-ended questions so you start as you were saying, Jason, connecting the right brain of expression and frustration to the logical side of step by step by step. I can do this. So now if there's something in front of her, she's not as inclined to be destructive. She's starting to remember, oh, I did this last time. I can do it again. And I'm proud of it. So now it becomes mommy, look what I did. Or auntie, look what I did. I got through it this time mm-hmm. and I didn't mess up the show, you know? So that's the whole brain leaders that I'm talking about. And that's with problem solving. That's with emotional wellness and working through those breakdowns. Um, that's with early learning and helping them to understand things around them outside. That's what I mean when I say whole brain, cause you're mm-hmm. connecting the two. When so many parents don't think that that's important, and I said, well, think about when you were upset and you were frustrated. I mean, as an adult, there are adults who go off and they tear up things because they either can't do it. Somebody denied them something. But we have the ability to logically process, but our children do not. And they get stuck. So helping them work through that wall is connection for both sides, but it's also connecting you as a parent to your child because now they know they have your support and that you will help them work through that. Wow. Wow, mm-hmm. Sarah. Sarah, and I, for parents I, I have a question for you and mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of based on my own experience and, and Jason's too. I jokingly tell Jason that the podcast that we do together here at Motown Philly that it keeps me on my toes <laughs> mm-hmm. that if if we're going to have a podcast about communication connection and community that we have to be about those things in our personal lives yeah and, and in some ways the podcast has really just helped me to grow beyond measure mm-hmm 
curious as to whether you have experienced something similar being a parenting coach. I'm sure there's times when your humanity gets the best of you and <laughs> you want to just either coddle or shut it down. But because you do what you do for a living, mm-hmm. that sort of that uh, what you that those principles mm-hmm. that you you hold so dear get the get the better part of that situation and that you end up doing the right thing is has that been your experience sarah how yes. has your work as a parent coach affected you affected like sarah as mom right right, right. so it's this practice what you preach right um, <laughs> practice what i preach and one of the things that i actively do before if i feel like i'm going to either go off or yell or lash out i tell parents it's called a holy pause and you take a deep breath (laughs) you just like earlier today i went down the hall the you couldn't see the floor in the room we just (laughs) we just couldn't see it there were things everywhere and i was like why are there so many things and i just had to just take a break and be like you know what she likes the mess. They cleaned it up afterwards, but it's really remembering they're not like organizational like we are. <laughs> they can pull out everything and know exactly where it is <laughs> and still play with, oh, I'm not done playing with that. Oh, okay. But you haven't touched it in 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, so really remembering, like we were saying earlier, that they're human and they're going to make a mess. Uh, holy pauses are important and then another thing oh my gosh I might really I might get taken out for this one but apologizing Uh oh apologizing I Uh have had to apologize to my child for going off or getting upset because I'm not perfect either wait a minute you you've gone off before Yes, I have gone off. I I don't know about anybody else, but when I get stressed, there is a dominant side that comes out. And I'm like, no, we're going to get this done now instead Mm -hmm. of being direct and being firm Mm -hmm. because there's a difference. And that's another thing I talk about with parents. You can be direct and you can be firm. But when that stressful side comes out and you start yelling and going off, kids, they they stop hearing you. They either tune out or they shut down and you've lost them. You've missed the opportunity to reach them. Right. So the holy pause is one. And then I've gone back and I've told my daughter, I am so sorry for snapping at you. Mommy was tired and I was frustrated and I wasn't being patient. Mm -hmm. with you like you're patient with me and i think that's a heavy thing for parents to do now is to go and apologize because what does that teach your child it teaches them to be compassionate that you are human too Mm -hmm. and that you make mistakes too so it's like it's it's a relationship that's growing and evolving that is also at times very hard and messy but being willing to come back together and connect again. And now my daughter told me in the heartbeat, she said, mommy, it's okay. You're still learning and you're still growing. And I'm like, I know. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> you're right. Wow. Like I was in tears. She told me that one time and I was like, I gotta go yeah. get some tissue because 
that I'm not gonna is amazing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I, I I love the vulnerability of you being a coach of doing this and then saying, "Yo, I mess up too," and "Yo, I don't always get it right," and "Yo, I I I have my moments where I kind of go off the rails a little bit." And but you have spent you have created space with your daughter to mess up, and I think that's that's the elements of being human when. Mm-hmm. It's not like, ah, I got you. You messed up. It's like, nah, I'm going to mess up. And mm-hmm. I do mess up. And I messed up before. And I'm going to mess up in the future. I need, I'm going to work on giving you grace. And I want you mm-hmm. to understand, I'm going to raise my hand. And, and when I mess up, um, I'm going to, I'm going to let you know that I did. And hopefully we can have a, an honest conversation. And I'm going to do my part to, to make it better. I just don't think that the generation before us really knew what, like, knew the language in which we're speaking about today to have the conversation. Like you said, the baby boomers and the other generation, but uh, in between that and before that, like, apologizing to a kid? Yeah. <laughs> Out of here. Right. <laughs> Go for that, uh, yeah, that's no, you just don't do that. Like, it was never taught. I think the ability to do and, and to learn that to teach your kid, like you said, about compassion and empathy and being being vulnerable enough to be like, hey, I make I make mistakes, bro. Like, I talk to my kids like that. Like, that's that is fairly new for our generation to, to really expose our, our underbellies and say, hey. I'm not perfect and I'm going to mess up and I, I'm going to ask for your sincere uh, forgiveness of what I said or did, because that's, that's, I don't, I don't like who I was in that moment. And I don't, that's not who I'm trying to raise, you know? Right. Yeah. So you see how deep seated this dysfunction is. You apologize to your kid. No, mm-hmm. I apologize to a human being mm-hmm. who I believe I may have hurt. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and I think that says a lot of you that you're able to do that. So, Sarah, I I can almost guarantee that the parents out there who are listening, the moms, the dads, everybody. I mean, this is Mother's Day. So there's going to be a big emphasis on on moms here. But mothers and fathers, they're listening and they're thinking, my gosh. I, I need to work with her. Like mm-hmm. I need to work with her. I, I just wanted to ask, and we'll we'll get all your you know your contact info on how folks can can retain your services a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask you, do you have a standard coaching curriculum for your program, or do you tailor your program to the individual needs of your coaching clients? It's both. <laughs> There's a standard uh, for the curriculum because a lot of it is um, geared towards how much intentional time we've had, um, what disciplinary measures. And when I say discipline, I hope people understand I don't mean punishment. <laughs> discipline this does mean to teach. You know, there's disciplinary. And then there's times of like actual teaching and connecting with them on their level and helping them to bridge the gap to the next milestone but then it's also it is also tailored toward what the parents need 
because a lot of times it's more of a can you fix my kid and i'm like i don't that's not my line of work my line of work is helping you to come to an understanding of where you are and where your child is some parents just need work in the emotional health some other parents just need work um for helping their child learn how to problem solve other parents need more of how do i take care of my own mental health in parenthood so i do that just just a little bit to kind of help them get the wheels spinning and unlearn to relearn some mm -hmm. things too so it's a little bit of both i'd say wow wow that's great so y'all hear that folks y'all hear that who are listening you don't go to sarah and say can you fix my kid you go to sarah and say can you help me mm -hmm. understand and, and there's, so there's you can do that in a standard form or a form that's tailor-made for you wow that's awesome sarah thank you for for sharing that with us no Definitely. problem sarah uh, do you have three like top advisements or strategies that you use to share to to teach kids boundaries like i don't know if it's three or if it's two or if it's just a fundamental principle of like it's something that you can share today that maybe a parent or a mom is listening when you talk about a kid who's in the age group or the demographic that you that you service like mm -hmm. how do you teach a kid like some fundam some fundamental uh, rules of boundaries uh, where a kid can enforce can learn to enforce them even with even with their own parent you know mm -hmm. uh, i'm sure that's hard but it, it is it <laughs> <laughs> hey hey mom don't talk nah. right, right. <laughs> how does that work yeah so teaching teaching boundaries is very uh it's a different level of awareness oh my goodness humans like adults are struggling with this so that's what i'm, yeah. in, I'm in like yo tell me what tell me how you're doing it because i know if you can get a child to do it and learn that level of awareness man mm -hmm. they're gonna be a they're gonna be a great human they're gonna be a great adult human you know what i'm saying uh. mm -hmm. So for the, I work part-time at a school also, and I work with like the threes, fours, and fives. And the five-year-olds, I love doing boundaries with them because we get in a big group and I have like my little speaker with a buzzer and we go around and we tell one thing that happens to us that someone else did to us that we didn't like or made us feel upset mm -hmm. or made us feel sad. Mm -hmm. And every time they say it, the buzzer goes out and, and, and I said, okay, that is her boundary that is his boundary and then we talk about how it made us feel and then we tell our friends these are the things that make us feel upset or frustrated or these are the things that hurt us and when this feeling comes speak up hey i didn't like this i didn't how i didn't like how it made me feel please don't do it again that's how you teach a kid in a simple form <laughs> to set a boundary because it is about what they feel in that moment for example my daughter said to me last week mommy i didn't like how you were snappy and rushing me and i said again that was me being stressful that was a moment where i was stressful 
and I was trying to get things done super fast and in a hurry. And she was teaching me to be aware of her boundary. So in helping her to, you know, feel comfortable and stay in that boundary, I make more time. I get her up a little bit earlier, you know, give her a little more, hey, you got five extra minutes to do this, this, that, and the third. Just know we have to, you know, finish it so we can move on to the next. So teaching kids to speak up when they feel like someone's done something that makes them uncomfortable, upset, or hurt. Speaking on it, because they won't, and they'll carry that. And I think, especially for me with, you know, working through childhood traumas, through therapy and all that stuff, I carried so much when I could have just said, hey, you came at me sideways and I didn't like it. Going forward, let's do this instead. You know, give them a better outlook on how to work through that. And then say, this is a strange behavior, mm-hmm. right? So now they can label. It's all about giving them things to label so that they can identify this is who I am. This is how this person, what they're saying or doing is affecting me. And this is how I'm teaching them how to treat me. Sure. Let me t- let me tell you guys a story. I- Tim might have heard this story. So my dad was he was the he was that domineering personality in between my mom and and th- between the my parents, you know. Um my my mom, she was quiet. It was funny, my mom, she was the one who gave us most of the spankings and or whoopings, whatever you want to call it, right? In this mm-hmm. day and age. Um but my dad and Tim knows this. His voice was like back in the day, E.F. Hutton. When he spoke, everybody listened. Or I could just say it was just like, and it wasn't because he had to say something interesting. <laughs> it was his voice was his voice was thunder. His voice was the thunder in our house. So when he spoke, like we all, it was like a deer. It, we became paralyzed to listen and to and to try to comprehend the words that he said at the same time and when we were younger it came with a lot of swears a lot of curses and we i we we were kids it wasn't like we yo you can't talk to me like that blah 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 but i can tell you this when i finally got into into college and understood like that type of that's that type of language or maybe that type of communication like the kind of the that shutting down type vibe like I learned that that wasn't conducive. That wasn't healthy. Like, and I mm-hmm. remember he came at me. I was home helping him out on his van. Um, God rest his soul. And he was just like, he kind of barked at me. And mm-hmm. I, I don't. No one ever taught me about boundaries, but I just knew how that felt, and I knew what I didn't do to him. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yo, you can't talk to me like that. Like that's disrespectful. I don't talk to you like that." So, and I I don't know where this came from, but it came from a point of frustration. And I was just like, I appreciate it if you don't talk to me like that. I'm an adult and I respect you when I talk to you. You don't have to, you don't have to talk to me like that. Like I can get it. It changed and he, you know, he ain't say I'm sorry, nothing like that, but it kind of looked and I just kept doing what, what I was doing and it changed the dynamic of our relationship forever. 
mm-hmm. because one, I stood up and I had a, I stood up for myself and I made this boundary. I was proud of myself because if you knew my dad, it was just like, it wasn't just the kid, us, my brother and I, who kind of like feared his thunderous voice. It was like the neighborhood kids. Like my dad, he only spanked us once. And it was kind of a joke because he didn't, he, he, when you, when you do anything once, you're not necessarily good at it. So I remember right, my brother right. and I, we got spanked at the, or whooping at the same time. And we kind of went back to the room was like, yo, is he for real? Like he missed most of the time, but maybe got one good lick in. And, but it wasn't the, 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 the whooping or the spanking. It was, a it was his, his whooping or his spanking was his voice and his thunder and his words. And I was, as a young adult, um, I just said no more. I got a boundary. Like I at least respect myself to a point where saying you, my dad, but you're not going to talk to me like that. And it totally changed the dynamics of, of our relationship for the better. And mm-hmm. the thing is, my brother, he was older. He was already out of the house. And my brother, leading up to the time before he passed away, he had never come. He had never confronted my dad on that level. And their relationship was his. He was older. He was junior. Their relationship wasn't like mine as far as communicative. And and him, my dad sharing with me certain things and feelings and thoughts that he didn't share with my brother. And it was because maybe a boundary was never made or he never let him know that, hey, I'm a human, bro. You can't you can't just be can't be going off on me like like I'm not even like I'm a kid. But that was what I was. I would say, like, nah, you can't talk to me like that no more. Like I'm I'm grown. So setting those boundaries or as soon as possible when you under when you have the awareness that's i'm telling you i it was only at that point that i said something that i had the true awareness to stand on those boundaries like nah you can't even though you're my dad you can't talk mm-hmm. to me like that mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that's a very powerful story jason very powerful story about the need to set boundaries so sarah i have a very concrete question for you mm-hmm. earlier you talked about walking past the room and you couldn't see the floor. <laughs> Suppose that you decided, no, not that you decided. Suppose that you had asked your child multiple times to clean the room mm-hmm. and to pick everything up off of the floor. Mm-hmm. And your child ignores you Mm -hmm. each time and when you walk by and you see the room like that you have seen it like that now for more than four requests of asking them to do it Mm -hmm. for our parents out there who are listening and might be dealing with a, a stubborn or a recalcitrant child and I mean, I guess this could apply to anything, right? Not mm-hmm. eating, not eating their vegetables before they get dessert, right? Uh, any instance in which a child decides to make the relationship with their parent a test of will. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend for our parents out there who are listening 
be done in a situation like that? What's the best way to help bring a, a resolution to that problem? Mm-hmm. Um, for starters, and I do have, I always answer questions with questions. What is fine. Um, for starters, and I've had that same instance where my daughter just kept on playing when I walked by, but then it reminded me that, and as I remind other clients too, model the behavior you want to see. So if I'm telling her to clean her room, I went in and I said, you know what? I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you clean up. Right. So there's the first step to connect. Second step is music. Parents heavily (laughs) underestimate the power of music and the influence it has on their kids. Cleanup songs are game changers every time. <laughs> Cleanup songs with game changers with timers too. Five minute timers, 10 minute timers. And then you talk to them about making it a team effort. Okay, I'm going to clean up the toy box. You start working on the books on the shelf. I'm going to put this timer on and then you make it a game. And let's race to see who can clean up the fastest, right? So it's engaging. They're listening to music. That's sensory based, right? Getting their senses moving. And then afterwards we talk about, say, hey, you see how we got so much done faster when we work together. So a lot of times when there's a reluctance to follow through or to listen consistently, there's no connection from the parents in that's been made to their child, like internally. Mm. Like, why should I listen to you if you're not really interested in what I'm interested in? You always send me to my room to play. You always put me in front of a screen. Like, I make it a point to stop everything that I'm doing every day for a certain period of time and to sit with my daughter or to play with her or to talk with her and just kind of go into their world so that that connection is consistently established every day. You see how mommy's sitting and I'm listening to you and I'm playing with you. I care about you. I'm interested. So let's work together so that when mommy asks you to do something, then you're more than likely to do it. You know, so establishing that consistent connection. Um, But to answer your question, Tim, in the short term, make it a game. Put a cleanup song on. Model the behavior you want to see. Let's clean up together. And then make it a racing game. Could you also say something like, you know what? I, I noticed I've asked you to do this a few times and it's not mm-hmm. done yet. Why don't we do this? Why don't I set the timer and then mommy is going to go clean her room mm-hmm. and let's see who gets done first. Yes. Going to mm-hmm. go clean my room or mommy's going to do the dishes or mommy's going to do some other task or this is dad is going to, you know, dad is going to do this and whoever wins gets a prize. Yes, is reward that, system. Is that the kind of thing you could also suggest in that situation. Yeah, I'm I'm big on reward systems, especially okay. if it helps us to again. It's the it's really all about the connection. Like a lot of children, the main aspect for children is they need to be affirmed, they need to be validated, feel supported, and then as everything that this podcast stands for, you know, children wow. need that wow. early on. Wow, I need to know that I can communicate with my mom and dad that they understand me. 
and then they can help build my understanding as they, as we grow together because it's not the child that's growing by themselves as parents mm -hmm. were growing with them so i love that yeah i'm gonna go clean my room and we're gonna see who's gonna get done first you know same thing with my daughter in the morning getting ready for school i'm gonna go get dressed and then you're going to get dressed. I'm going to set a timer and whoever gets done first, you get, you know, a few extra minutes outside. Mm -hmm. And my daughter's a, she's a coder. So she likes games. That's her point of interest that I tell parents, what is your child's point of interest? Do they like dinosaurs? Do they like coding? Do they like games? She likes games, like little video games um, on PBS kids. And I say, okay, well, if you finish first, you get five extra game time, five extra minutes. She's like, yes. So now she's like, I'm going to beat you. Uh, you know, so right. it's, right. it's all about fun and exactly. doing it together. So I can I can hear that refrain um, just because like, why, mommy? Why do I have to do it now? Because I said so. Right. Mm -hmm. I can sort of hear the authoritarian voice in the background mm -hmm. that, you know, it, it may instill some fear it, as a motivator. But you have to ask yourself what is that going to look like when your child is an adult right mm -hmm. what kind of what kind of how is that going to be a, a well-adjusted healthy way of relating to things mm -hmm. once the child has grown up jason i'm sure you have another question i just want to say this right now sarah there are some parents out here who are driving their car doing their laundry cooking their dinner doing whatever and who are saying to themselves man I need Sarah to help me out. So uh, thank you so much for, for answering that question because I think that's a problem a lot mm -hmm. of parents confront. So yeah. thank you. I think that's very useful. It's, mm -hmm. it's very practical. And most of all, it's very healthy. Yes. Can I add one more thing? It's just one one yeah, small thing I want to Um, Learning to love ourselves and then learning to appreciate what we've been given. So those are the kind of conversations that I've had too with my daughter and my niece. Okay. If we take care of our bodies, that goes into hygiene too, right? <laughs> Brushing your teeth, that's bathing and things like that. Cleaning your room. That is something we have been given. If we are showing love for what we've been given, what does that, that look like? That looks like cleaning it up. That looks like putting things back in place. So now they're learning the life skill of organization at a very early age without it being like oh i have to clean my room no mommy's in here to help me clean my room so it gets done faster but i also learn i learn to take care of my things mm -hmm. so it's a form of love too loving yourself and then the things around you and appreciation no 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 we i appreciate you just saying that i was gonna ask you something else but the fact that you brought up uh teaching a child to learn to love themselves if that's not the nugget of the <laughs> the nugget of the night amongst many nuggets <laughs> tim and i sometimes we hop on here and we just have a we have an expression that you so so easily put it like i love myself is a mantra and that's something and it seems so easy and it seems maybe like oh it says it's a, no like that's a real life mm -hmm. thing skill if you will that we have to learn to cultivate and knowing that you're instilling that in children um from a very young age it really gives them a stronger foundation as they move forward because 
to love yourself is to learn to know yourself right mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful it's just a beautiful thing and tim touched on it a lot of times in the world and which you know we grew up in in the christian setting like it's just like that's not the first thing that is that that's not a thing that's necessarily taught to us mm -hmm. we're actually taught to kind of not necessarily look at ourselves but look at look at someone else to kind of serve and to extend and we're always serving and we're extending and we're not taking the time to put awareness and eyes on ourselves to make sure that we're healthy and because if we're not okay how can we effectively help and serve and be the things that we need to be that we've been mm -hmm. called to be and purpose to be so but the idea of teaching kids and stealing a level of true authentic um healthy love to to themselves or to ourselves like that's a life skill that needs mm -hmm. to be invoked daily mm -hmm. so you will understand because when we communicate we communicate from this self-dialogue that could be could have been warped through our traumas right mm -hmm. and it's just like if we communicate those things to ourselves and they're off it's also if we're if we really listen to that voice of what we're saying it's not a voice that's loving it's not a voice mm -hmm. that's that cares for ourselves it's not a voice that's nurturing it's not a voice that is affirming to ourselves it could be it's a voice that's oftentimes neck that that's negative and when, but when we, but when, yeah, and critical. So when we learn to understand as a child, loving yourself is a vital, and all the many facets of loving yourself is a vital mm -hmm. aspect of growth and development. Like you just, like Tim started off this thing, you're giving the children such a head start with emotional intelligence, with having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, and all these things that help a child to be a healthy productive individual um to the society growing you know as they get older and even as they you know the age that they you know kids can be effective citizens at the age that they are and mm -hmm. um it's tim and i we we talk so much about life and what's going on with kids and this nation and all this stuff and it's it can it can be overwhelming if you don't have a sense of love for yourself and knowing who you are yeah like i tell the kids at the school <laughs> i say show yourself some love say everybody stand up real quick take a look look at your clothes you know so we all do a close check make sure our clothes look nice and i said okay show yourself some love if something needs to be fixed i say you fix it you know and teaching them like to pay attention to help them to be aware too which is so huge we're talking about teaching them how to really what love looks like love is not critical right yeah. it's it's not negative she's speaking ain't she chick <laughs> it's it's not it's, it's realistic about where you are and what you're capable of okay right right so parents really do have to do that inner work to unlearn what they may have been taught like i had to fully survey through therapy did was the way that i was raised was it fully right it could be right in some areas it can be wrong in others and the way and i posted this the other day i said your child's success depends on your mindset right now Oof. right now tweet tweet like, <laughs> oh. right now 
<laughs> if they're successful later, it's going to depend on what the way that you think. Because you're passing that stuff on. If you pass it on toxicity and being critical and unhealthy habits instead of understanding the way that they think, which is what I'm here for, to be the voice for the babies. Like Yo, say, the Lord say that again. Please. Give us that phrase again. The the what you think. What'd you say? Mm-hmm. Say that again, that tweetable phrase. Like your child's success. Oh, your child's success later on depends on your mindset right now. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. So it, 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 that is more than heavy, girl. That is <laughs> pressure, but no pressure. That is, pressure, but no pressure. <laughs> that is that is straight up immovable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking how tragic it is that we complain about children without any reflection mm-hmm. on the most influential people in their lives who make them into who they are. Mm-hmm. And that is something that you strive to change. Sarah Carter, thank you so much for joining us here on the Motown Philly podcast. I know there are a lot of parents out there who are listening and who are dying to get in touch with you, Sarah, to start mm-hmm. your coaching program. So can you please share with our Motown Philly family, podcast family, uh, how it is people can find you and how it is they could get started with your program. Okay. I am on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. So my Facebook name and Instagram are pretty much the same. Uh, it's Sarah P coach Carter. That's my Facebook name. And then for Instagram, it's Sarah and then a period P coach Carter, you know, and there's a link in my bio on both of them. And every prospective client or parent gets their free consultation for whatever issue or whatever um, behavioral strategy they may be having difficulty in. And they can reach me in that way. And when they set up a free consultation, but yeah, they can reach me there. And then we'll set up a free consultation because I need to educate. I need to know, number one, what the problem is, what's going on. And then we can talk about how to solve it. But we can also talk about what you can do in the home. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I used to be a teacher, like in the school system full time. But then I realized the problem was in the classroom. It was what you were doing at home on a regular basis. So Sarah P. Coach Carter on Facebook, Carter on Instagram. Click the link in my bio. Please set up your consultation. Let's change the way, just, and I said, let's change the narrative. Let's go back to the it takes a village concept where everybody comes together and all, you know, just so that the family unit can be a success. So. Wow. Thank you, Sarah. Jason Hall, where can they find you, brother? You guys can typically find me on Instagram at the speakers mechanic, of course, on LinkedIn. You can find me at Jason Hall communication skills coach chick. Tim, where can we find you, bro? Y'all can find me on Instagram at a good golden man. You can find me on Twitter at DRTJ golden ESQ. And you can find me on Facebook at Tim Golden. Three things in life are certain, death, taxes, and I am the only black man in Walla Walla, Washington, named (laughs) Tim Golden. I guarantee it, Sarah, I guarantee it. They can take that to the bank, 
just like they can take your coaching program to the bank. Mm -hmm. that's so right. that's where y'all can find us. Uh, listen, thank you again so much, yes, Sarah, thanks, for Sarah. joining us. You have you have elevated the discourse here at the Motown Philly family, and we are just thankful that you thought us worthy of your time and the wonderful, wonderful insights that you have imparted to us tonight. Thank thanks, you Sarah. so much. Thank y'all. Pleasure is all mine. I appreciate You're it. Welcome. Hey, listen, Sarah. Happy Mother's Day and happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. We love y'all. I'll always Day. love my mama. She's my favorite girl. My mama been gone for a long time, but I think about her every day. Mm, I love yes. her. I miss her. And there's no greater woman in the world than Mrs. Margaret Golden, my mom. So happy heavenly Mother's Day, mom. And Jay, I know you want to thank your mom too, man. Definitely. Shout out to my mom. She too has since um, passed. However, she stays with me in my heart. And on holidays such as these, I sit and reflect about the times that she's poured into me. So I'm always grateful for her and things that I look in myself and see her just, just living through me in a lot of ways. So I'm truly grateful for her and the impact she's had on my life. Yo, happy Mother's Day. Heavenly Mother's Day, Mom. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, Sarah Carter, happy Mother's Day to you. Thank and you. And I'm sure you have a, a great day on Mother's Day. Listen, y'all, episode 40 is in the books. Episode 41 coming up next week. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Keep listening. Keep downloading. And I... I want to see some love for Sarah Carter in the Motown Philly podcast Facebook group. Y'all need to get up in there and y'all need to do the right thing. That's true, where true. we build communication, connection, and community outside of the podcast. All right, y'all. Jay, much love. Sarah, love you even more. Yes. And listen, we are out of here like a lot of Peace.